Welcome to the Realized Gains Podcast, a guide to real estate investing. Join our co-hosts, Jordan Lee and Stephen Tran, as we interview a diverse group of real estate investors, both amateur and professional. Our goal is to help you understand that anyone can invest in real estate. Tune in to hear creative strategies and learn from both our mistakes and our successes. You can find us where you love to listen to podcasts, on YouTube, or at jordanleemortgage.com. So what's really interesting is sitting down and thinking about this. I wasn't the buyer that necessarily needed to like create the plan or get mm-hmm. like, you know, get started from zero, but I was the buyer that needed to have that mental shift happen where I felt ready to let go of that savings or to, yeah. you know, was ready to shift right. my perspective on how I looked at that savings. It was kind of a, a big risk for you. You felt like it was a, more of a risk to buy a house. Yeah, it felt nerve wracking to part with the dollars in my savings account, mm-hmm. which it's now that's something that I get to kind of talk other people through right um because i finally got to a point where it was like well it's not serving me if it's just sitting in my savings account and i was watching other friends take risks and make investments um i don't have any stats to back this up but i want to say men often too are probably more risk-taking when it comes to wealth building and kind Mm. of um you know raise my hand to that (laughs) (laughs) taking risks like that so it kind of got to a point where I had like FOMO. I was like, you know, I'm gonna sit on the sidelines and keep watching my friends build wealth or I'm gonna have to like do something scary and get into a property. Welcome to episode 33 of the Realized Gains podcast. I'm Stephen Tran. I'm a multifamily and short-term rental investor. And I'm your co-host, Jordan Lee. I invest in single-family homes, and I'm a mortgage lender based in Portland and licensed in about seven states. Yeah, and Jordan, who did we interview today? Oh, yeah, we had a great interview today with Ashley Contreras, who's a a realtor here based in Salem. Um, She's been in the business for about seven years, and she's very active with the, the local real estate association, MVAR, here, as well as the Oregon Association of Realtors. Yeah, it was really great seeing how she's kind of built her business starting from working retail at Trader Joe's to being a realtor for the last seven years. Yeah, yeah, she had a lot of great stories about the transition there and, and also about how she, she moved from, you know, buying her first home uh, after some hesitancy and then and then converting that into a rental when she bought her next primary. Yeah, I mean, the first one's always the hardest. Absolutely. So yeah, if you want to learn about buying and and getting your first investment, this is the podcast for you. Hey guys, welcome to the Realize Gains podcast. I'm Stephen Tran. And I'm your co-host Jordan Lee, and we're here with Ashley Contreras. What's up? Ashley Contreras with Windermere Heritage. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on the show, Ashley. Do you mind just giving us a quick introduction? Tell us about you know, your story, where you came from, and, and how you got where you are today. Yeah, yeah. so I'm a realtor uh, in Salem, Oregon. I've been licensed for seven years this month. Mm, congratulations. Pass wow. the, the hump. <laughs> <laughs> Take seven years to get past the hump. <laughs> um, I have been in Oregon for 10 years, uh, just over 10 years, so that feels pretty cool. Um, I'm originally from Southern California. I came up here uh, when I was looking to kind of get more established and put down some roots. Mm. Um, had a, a bit more of an affordable lifestyle up here after visiting. Mm. Um, yeah, so I've, I've been helping people buy and sell in the Willamette, Willamette Valley. Um, and what were you doing before real estate? 
So my background is retail, actually. Okay. Um, I worked for Trader Joe's for 11 years. Oh, nice. Um, and actually worked there in Southern California at that job and was able to move up doing that job. Um, so that was kind of nice because the cost of living, you know, pay kind of transferred. <laughs> um, and honestly, like retail and a, a job like Trader Joe's taught me a lot about how to treat people, like how to build relationships. Um, Trader Joe's encourages employees to be authentic. Uh, you know, to try to like treat people how you want to be treated. You see somebody having a bad day, give them some flowers, walk them out to their car. Yeah. Um, so I think I learned a lot about business actually working in retail, you know, connecting with people of all walks of life, you know, all age ranges, um, a lot of that transferred. I noticed that at Trader Joe's, I have like some of the best conversations with the, the cashiers yeah. there. Yeah. Oh, they're super friendly. Everyone's right. like very happy at Trader Joe's, I feel like. Yeah, it's a little creepy, <laughs> a little culty. But I mean, but it's it's about, you know, it's, it's really about like the workplace that they kind of manifest and um, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's, that's added a lot, like kind of given me a lot of ideas about how I want to treat people in my business. Mm. Okay. And when you came up here and you were working at Trader Joe's, what kind of got you in that transition to get into real estate? So it's funny. Um, my ex, my ex uh, mother-in-law, actually, since we moved, since the moment I moved up here, um, my ex mother-in-law was like, "You guys need to buy a house. You need to buy a house. You need to buy a house." So that was 2012, and I wasn't ready. Oh, yeah, perfect oh. timing. Yeah. It was good timing, right? Mm -hmm. But I wasn't ready. I mean, at the time, I was a 23, 24 year old, and um, so the, you know, getting ready for this podcast, I was kind of reflecting on that. Um, I wasn't ready. I, I didn't see the value in owning property. I have always been a saver, yeah. so it wasn't a matter of not having like the down to do it. Um, oh, so you actually had a down payment saved, but you still felt like you weren't ready. Which is funny because like that's what I was yeah. reflecting on today. Is yeah. you know that we we kind of encounter different types of buyers, and mm -hmm. so looking at myself as that baby buyer back before I knew anything about real estate is interesting to kind of reflect back and see that I wasn't I was financially in a good position to do it, but mentally like took me a while to feel ready. Can I ask what did you save for? Like what was your preconceptions of what I needed to save for a down payment? So that's funny that you asked that too because I was reflecting. I was like you know. Um, I have always been a saver. So it wasn't anything that I had like shifted to prepare for. Um, so I was kind of thinking about that too. You know, we meet these people who come to us who kind of, um, we get the privilege of sort of helping them uh, adjust and create a plan. Um, but I was kind of the opposite where I've always pinched my pennies. So growing up, you know, if I got like a birthday card with a hundred bucks in it, I would shove it away. Yeah. <laughs> or like if I got like my student loans and they were extra, I would, I would, I would, you know, save that extra couple thousand and put it in my savings. And so, um, interesting. Did you, was there like a rule that you followed or like X percent or was it just no, whatever felt right? No. And is that like something that your parents taught you to do or you just, you know, I you mean, felt if, that it was right? Yeah. I mean, if we could be super honest here, I will say like insecurity in my upbringing, like, you know, mm. um, just stuff going on around the house. The way that I responded to that was, I want to create mm. my own sense of security. You had a backup plan. Yeah, and so, so honestly, it's been a little bit of a coping mechanism um, to like stress, but it's really worked for me because you know, if I, like, because of where I've ended up. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I unfortunately don't can't say that it's like something maybe someone else could like copy and recreate because I have a plan for it, but. Um, but it's just kind of the way that I responded to stress factors was, you know, I want to feel secure and be mm -hmm. able to take care of things. So that's kind of always been my relationship with saving. 
Um, Super smart, yeah. Yeah. So just wait. Do we get to the percent? The no, no. no, no. <laughs> so so, I, so the your the answer to your question is I didn't really I haven't really ever had like a plan or like a you know I need to save this amount. It's just always been like when I have extra, it gets put aside. And, okay. And, and my brain just doesn't work in that like. Oh, extra spendage. It wasn't like, like I need to put this amount into a, a 401k or no. an IRA so I can have this amount when I retire. It's just no. like whatever extra I'm going to put here and save it Since for Since I was day. young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And now yeah. I am more strategic. And now I do have a financial planner and a CPA. And mm-hmm. I do have those conversations about where I need to be. But when I was younger and starting out, I mean, it was always just, just for a rainy day. So what's really interesting is sitting down and thinking about this. I wasn't the buyer that necessarily needed to like create the plan or get mm-hmm. like, you know, get started from zero, but I was the buyer that needed to have that mental shift happen where I felt ready to let go of that savings or to, yeah. you know, was ready to shift right. my perspective on how I looked at that savings. It was kind of a, a big risk for you. You felt like it was a, more of a risk to buy a house. Yeah, it felt nerve wracking to part with the dollars in my savings account, mm-hmm. which it's now that's something that I get to kind of talk other people through, right? Um, because I finally got to a point where it was like, well, it's not serving me if it's just sitting in my savings account. And I was watching other friends take risks and make investments. Um, I don't have any stats to back this up, but I want to say men often too are probably more risk taking when it comes to wealth building and kind Mm. of, um, you know, taking risks like that. that. So it kind of got to a point where I had like FOMO. I was like, you know, I'm going to sit on the sidelines and keep watching my friends build wealth, or I'm going to have to like do something scary and get into a property and not even scary. Cause I had the back, you know, I had, it was just about shifting my perspective and, and kind of going into like an abundance mindset, right. Mm-hmm. Where like, this is going to be prosperous for me to make this decision. This is going to, you know, for the bigger picture in the future, Versus the right now. That's kind of like a, that's what I had to go through. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that about appetite for risk because I don't know if you've been seeing the stats recently, but now like single women are kind of like leading the 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 home buyer in terms of single folks. And so I thought mm-hmm. cause it's, it's changed a lot from the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe part of that is because people don't anymore see real estate as as risky as, you know, when we were getting out of college and the real estate market was crashing, right? Oh, it, yeah. it seemed like a major risk because sure. 2008, 2009, every, everyone lost a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's, a, that's an interesting point you make. Yeah, yeah, and I think I, it's, it's cool now to sort of be able to read that in people. Because, um, you know, sometimes we get that borrower that's really well qualified, that buyer that's really ready, but they're nervous and or maybe they have a sweet rent, like set rent right mm-hmm. now, you know, yeah. that they're afraid to break up with. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of hard sometimes to get them to really appreciate that bigger picture. Um, but it is something I try to do because I don't want to see people miss out, especially those that are ready. Like I've watched that happen, you know, where they were qualified. They could have done it a couple years ago, but they were too nervous to sort of jump. And now they've just watched home prices literally go up by like a hundred grand. And oh, it's yeah. become a lot less feasible for them. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I totally agree with the whole, you know, my, my family, you know, we were, we grew up very poor. So I also had that scarcity mindset. And I mean, if you were to ask me before my family had like kind of a financial emergency where I had to buy them a home, mm-hmm. I would have been just as hesitant with probably 50% down, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So no, I totally understand like that, that mindset. So Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's like, you're not really doing yourself a service, I think, in that big picture, if you don't finally get to that jumping point, because, you know, what was the point of all that saving, if I'm not gonna put it to work for me? I mean, you can go make that sweet 3.5% from, you know, your 
high yield savings account. (laughs) (laughs) But I was just sitting on a regular savings account seeing like three cents a month, you know, gains. (laughs) And so mom was telling you to do this in 2012. Um, At what point did it, was it her that just kept pressing it and eventually convinced you or at what what point did it? Yeah, mom was influencing and finally after a couple years of renting and seeing I think a couple coworker friends, you know, because Mm. 2012 Trader Joe's wage people could afford houses left and right. So, you know, kind of getting more comfortable seeing a couple of friends take it on, um, finally felt ready. And, you know, running the numbers, it wasn't as, you know, 10 years ago, home pricing, 3% down and, or, you know, uh, and closing costs, even if you had to cover them, was still, you know, I I think I got into the door of my house with about $10,000 total cash out of pocket. That's crazy. What, 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 What price did you purchase that then? Do you really want to know? Yes, I do want to know. It was a one hundred and seventy-two thousand three-bedroom, two-bath house in South Salem. Wow, uh, just under thirteen hundred square feet. And that was like kind of the standard going rate for a three-two. Then it was, yeah. And I mean, again, like spending some time this morning thinking about my journey and you know where why that things have worked out the way they have. The property that we ended up riding on was recently flipped, and so that was kind of a selling point for us as coming out, you know, mm. coming out from an apartment into being first-time homeowners. Um, we did like the appeal of something that was kind of recently redone. Although, you know, hindsight, now that I know some stuff, I could tell you, like, it wasn't the best work or, you know, definitely, like, the cheapest everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, but still, like, those first-time buyers getting into something, it was nice peace of mind for us to know that it had new roof, new siding, mm-hmm. new drywall, right. new plumbing, new electrical, um, you know. So even still to this day, that property really hasn't cost me a ton. You haven't you had know. to go in and do a bunch of major repairs. No, yeah. no. Perfect. Yeah. Just fun stuff. You know, paint, paint, <laughs> right. the landscaping, that kind of stuff. I mean, were you having a hard transition at the time with, uh, you know, basically how much you were paying for rent versus switching over to a mortgage? Or was it like comparable at that time? It wasn't too bad. I think at the time we could, again, prices, it makes, it breaks my yeah, heart yeah. a little to revisit because I know people these days struggle. But, you know, at the time we were running a one bedroom apartment for under $700 a month and mm. our mortgage was right around 1000 Okay. And still is. So, um, you know, on that first property. So a thousand bucks didn't feel that bad. You know, yeah, it's, it's all it's, okay. It's it's hard to do that comparison now for a lot of <laughs> It really is. A lot of my clients, especially when I push into Jordan and <laughs> tell them, yeah. Yeah. Say, hey, uh, figure out the numbers. <laughs> rent, I mean, rent has gone up a lot for has, sure. Definitely. But uh, yeah, unfortunately with, with higher mortgage rates and higher prices, it's, it's not quite the same ratios that we're looking at anymore as it used to be. Because I mean... Look, it, I wonder what the rents are in that uh, similar apartment situation now. I mean, do you, do you have a rough idea? I mean, I would guess twelve or thirteen, probably easily. Okay, so maybe yeah, maybe they maybe they've doubled, but then yeah. mortgage payment is almost tripled. Sure. At that, you sure. know, close to it. I mean, maybe I mean because that home, what what do you estimate the value is ballpark now? Three seventy five. Oh, three seventy five. Okay, so, so probably not quite tripled. Yeah. No, yeah. Definitely Double. not quite. Yeah. But I do have that. Two home, and a half. Yeah. yeah. I have that home rented for twenty one hundred. Okay. Um, so there you go. Mhm. Mhm. And I, I think I could sell it for three seventy five if I needed to. Mhm. So that's a solid like eleven hundred dollars a month cash flow minus utilities. Um, you said a thousand dollar payment. About yeah, so my mortgage is like eleven hundred, and I have it rented for twenty one. Um, after paying property manager, I cash flow yeah like seven or eight hundred a month on it. Mm-hmm. And so something else I've been thinking about, you know, is when we talk to our clients about 
these like entertaining if they want to sell their property that they own or if they should go the renting it out route. Something I've noticed in having these conversations with people is um, they kind of need help sometimes, I think, deciding on like what the picture looks like. So sometimes people are really focused on that cash flow, mm -hmm. which matters, you know, if that's where they're at, um, if that's where they're tight and if that's kind of what the benefit is to them. But I'm trying, I'm noticing myself right now reminding people when they're entertaining like selling versus renting out a property that they own that people seem to forget like the equity picture and like mm -hmm. the big, the big picture. Right. And so, um, yeah. And so like my property, not only am I cash flowing on, but I'm also reserving the $200,000 in equity that I have there. Yeah. You have by, options by right. having those tenants in it. Yeah. Um, and there, and that equity is continuing mm -hmm. to build along with those monthly, um, you know, the cash flow monthly. And I think sometimes like people who are newer to the idea only focus on one or the other and kind of forget that like both are working for you. Yeah, and there's the whole point where your loan's getting paid down too. So I mean, mm -hmm. eventually you won't have a loan on there. Um, that, yeah, I mean that that's a, another type of savings too, right? That equities, mm -hmm. that equity savings. So now it's different than a liquid, sure. you know, checking and savings account where you have the money ready to go. But you have options, right? You could sell, you could get a HELOC, you could do cash out refinance. Mm -hmm. um, you could trade. Yeah. Well, I mean, I like the idea of you live in it two of the past five years. You can sell uh, if it's your primary, um, for basically tax free up to what two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of good options. Lots of mm -hmm. that's yeah. the point, right? With real estate, is now you have options. Well, and it's kind of funny too, right? Because I avoided parting with savings for a certain amount of time, you know, being nervous about it. Mm -hmm. But it's like once you do it and kind of get a couple years into it, it's like now I have even more peace of mind and security because of the equity that I have in that property, mm -hmm. you know, because of the potential I have to leverage that for me if I got into an emergency or, you know, decided I wanted to jump on another investment. Um, yeah, I mean, exponentially that, that peace of mind has just grown over time. Yeah. No, and you know, we were talking about cash flow and I, I know me and Jordan had, uh, I don't want to put any names, but a client that was very focused on cash flow. And it's like, you know, like cash flow can go away with one pipe, uh, one, one burst pipe, you know? Yeah. And equity, like, I think it's just a, a harder to access uh, piggy bank. It's kind of how I see mm -hmm. it. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And in certain markets, like this one in particular is is probably a better equity market than than mm -hmm. cash flow market. Yeah. Because um, mm. yeah, we do have clients that are like, well, what about the Midwest? And and we always talk about, yeah, I mean, there's great cash flow there, but yeah, like I said, the one major emergency build. can ruin all that cash flow you have. Mm -hmm. uh, those properties are not growing very much in value, you mm -hmm. know, at all. So it's for me, that's a tough tough proposition, you know. Sure. So and I think most people make their money, you know, in equity. To be mm -hmm. honest, you know. Yeah. And so you bought the home where you you hadn't started as a real estate agent at that mm -hmm. point, right? Okay. Yeah. So I was uh, very new to real estate process, all of that stuff. Um, met my realtor because she was referred to me. She actually still works in this office with me. Oh, nice. Um, you know, and again, I was like 23, 24. So I just felt like a new little baby out in the world in general and working with this woman who was in her 40s who was you know professional and kind of like would magically appear at a showing and then just, you know go off in her vehicle off to do other fancy real estate things I kind of <laughs> I honestly I honestly was like a little like mystified by her um, and by kind of having that you know coming from retail I'm like working with this professional person yeah. 
um, who just sort of had this like mysterious career and lifestyle to me at the time. Um, I've always been a like A student type, you know, I, I like going for the A and so at toward the end of our transaction, she said, you know, um, I haven't said this to anyone very often, but I've been a realtor for 13 years and I was wondering if you'd ever thought about doing it. Mm. Cause she's like, you know, you've been really detailed, very diligent. I would like call the plumber. Well, she, she, she straight up asked you afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we, you know, we know in like volunteer leadership that ask is really big sometimes mm-hmm. or in, you know, in, in kind of um, leveling up sometimes for us, it's, it's takes that ask of someone else to kind of point out something or maybe a strength that we have. Um, so that, yeah, so she asked me and, you know, of course, cause I'd been kind of like star eyed looking at her the whole time. I was like, she thinks I might be good at this. Um, but you know, I'd call a plumber to follow up on something and I'd follow up, you know, I'd send her a two paragraph email, breaking down all the details. So she had just kind of seen how mm. I had worked and how I was engaged in the transaction. You seem very interested. Yeah. And you know, was noting my file and stuff right. like that as yeah. a buyer. Um, so I looked into it. It was, you know, I had savings, so it was a reasonable like barrier or cost of entry to get in for me. It seemed like a worthwhile endeavor. Um, I'm not gonna lie. If I had known how hard it was gonna be, I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm really glad I was a little naive and was kind of like, study, get a license, do some stuff. Um, because Drive a nice I, car, show up at showings, right? and disappear. Wear, wear a blazer. Yeah. It'll all work out. And so. Um, I had no idea, you know, about what what was involved in like building a business, you know, building a sphere, um, transaction to transaction. There's just so much we can get wrong, and and I really value doing things right for people, and yeah. I, I only want to do things when I'm feeling competent and like I could really serve people well. So, I just got in my head a lot, you know, being new and just feeling the weight of what we do. Like I don't take that lightly, you know the the responsibility that we have to serve people well. So yeah, I was pretty hard on myself in the beginning, but like I said in the beginning, it's nice to hit that seven year point because I'm not, I'm feeling more confident these <laughs> Like days. I said, it takes seven years to get wrapped up. I'm on year just, two and I'm like, oh. Five more years, just five more years. <laughs> I was gonna ask is, was there a point where you were just like, okay, I feel confident, I'm feeling like I'm ramping up, I can make a living off of this and move forward? I mean, I've always been consistent, honestly. Like, I'm not a big producer, um, but I, from the beginning, like, have been consistent and haven't, you know, had to squeak by and have always had my savings to fall back on so I don't fall into these, like, fear trap, you know, fear moments in my business. Mm. Um, I think for me, a lot of the work has just been on my mental, like, imposter syndrome, just beating myself up and being hard on myself, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot to compare ourselves to in this industry with social media, and it's, there's this kind of, like, everything can be tainted kind of with this, like, hustle culture. Yeah, yeah. You did that, so now what? What's next? What's next? Um, <laughs> and that's something that I've really had to kind of separate myself from a little bit in our industry, because that's just really not me. Um, and that's something that's really nice to kind of come to peace with. And that's taken, again, like probably just this last year of business, um, just kind of, you know, client after client that I keep encountering are just awesome. We just work together so well. They There's so much trust and just kind of community in the people that I do get to serve. And so just really enjoying that. You know, I, I think that's probably more uh, basically your personal change, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I tend to think, oh my God, my clients are getting easier and easier. No, I think it's more of us getting better and better at what we do. And I think man- and I think as you get better, you kind of manifest like yeah. what the, the ideal client that fits the culture of your business and like mm-hmm. how you want to work. Um, I really feel that lately and that feels really cool. Yeah, and I'll say too, I mean, obviously having your savings as a backup, like you, and you, like you said, not being stressed about you know, fu- you know, your finances, that helps mm-hmm. you be a true fiduciary. I know there's a lot Thank of struggling realtors that. out mm-hmm. there. 
um, that do not have their client's best interest at mind because they have to eat. So. Thank you for saying that. And I think, you know, I was talking to a gal at an open house this weekend and she's like, now I know you're kind of biased because you're a realtor, but what kind of things should I be asking a realtor or be looking for in a realtor, you know? And at the end of our conversation, I kind of told her, I was like, you know what, at the end of the day, we pretty much all have access to the same tools. You know, we, we, we're going to look at the same MLS system to send you listings. Um, I really think it comes down to just connecting with somebody who you feel seen by and who you really feel you can trust to kind of keep mm. your best interest in mind because so much of what we do as real estate professionals, lenders, and realtors, it just falls on good faith. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no one monitoring or policing us to do our jobs well. And so I, I really think you want to align yourself with somebody who you know is going to have your back and do the right thing. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. Um, like I said, there's, what, what is there, like 9,000 realtors in the Portland area? Mm-hmm. I don't know what and it in, is. In our local, we have 1,800. So now, did you make this transition to real estate like right after you bought? Were you just like, in, so I closed, and the realtor told you, and you're like, all right. Pretty quickly, switch. yeah, I signed up pretty quickly. So I closed... I had my license within six months of closing. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, so, so you were you were pretty serious about mm-hmm. it right away. But then I don't think my first closing was for like six months after that. So my first closing was probably like close to a year after I bought my house. And, and you stayed on part time. At... Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, which was a nice way to be able to transition. You know, I had benefits initially. Oh, miss right. those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, had benefits initially. Uh, you know, but then as my hours whittled down in retail, I had to let those go. Um, and that was a big, again, like faith, leap of faith to finally let go of my day job. You know, right. I could have done it for well before I actually did it, but I just kind of liked having my toe in the door. Um, but there is something to be said, you know, sometimes I think about just kind of re- cutting that cord, mm-hmm. um, fully trusting yourself and kind of opening up that like room for, you know, new energy. Yeah. Was so when you and when you made that transition, you mentioned you had savings. Was there like, were you okay? This is a year's worth of savings. Mm-hmm. This is enough, or what? Because I remember I put a very arbitrary number at that. I had like, I had first, I had saved ten thousand dollars, which was like the most I'd ever had, and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, yeah, I can make a career change now. Like I can go to a commission only <laughs> job. Turns out, definitely wasn't enough. Um, but like, what what kind of made your decision in that part of savings? I don't remember what the exact numbers looked like, um, but probably for me, like the comfort zone would have been probably around $10,000, like okay. leftover after right, right. the down and stuff. Because, you know, we know like most systems on a home, a roof, yeah. uh, especially 10 years ago, we're going to be about $10,000. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then and then what point did you decide, okay, I can, I can leave my day job type thing? Yeah. Um, I mean, I was probably, I mean, I just... I did that probably three years into my career. I mean, I only did that maybe three or four years ago. So okay. I was kind of keeping it on so the So you side. kept it a, for a little bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. And for lead generation too, mm. you know, although now there's like three more realtors that work at that Trader Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> I was the first, I was the first realtor that was part-time Trader Joe's employee. Um, but since I left, there's like three more. There, so, you know, they can have, the lead, the they can have the lead generation now. But I mean, that first year of business was probably majority Trader Joe's coworkers. Really? Yeah. There you go. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And now, and, and that's gone on to be like their mom, their family, their brother. You know, uh-huh. I helped like that's definitely where my sphere kind of took off is from my retail job. Okay. Mm-hmm. And now you're loyal to that store for life, right? I mean, <laughs> I still say we. When I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, when do we get this product in? When I shop there, it like will never, it's ingrained in me. I mean, I worked for that company from 18 to like 32. So a third of my life was in a Trader Joe's store, <laughs> you know? 
yeah, it's part of my culture of a human. <laughs> so you, yeah. you're comfortable in the real estate world now. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you're involved in a lot of like local organizations and leadership programs. Mm-hmm. What is your kind of, uh, I guess, your longer term, maybe five years? What, what is your goal? I mean, are you going to... You converted your first primary into a rental. You're going to keep going down that path. What, what What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I want to own more property. Um, so I bought my second house a year ago. It was, uh, it had been, I think, about five years since I had moved, which was very humbling. Uh, my first move was from a you know one bedroom apartment into a house, so that was my first house to house move, which mm-hmm. um, was a friendly reminder of all the things our clients go through. I was grateful to kind of re-experience that. Um, I I mean I want to own another house as soon as I could can, um, but I also don't want to move again right now. That's kind of the you balance. need to like a couple of years to get over the trauma. Yeah, like honestly, if it was just up to me, I'd probably move again in like a year. But um, my boyfriend has expressed interest in us kind of like waiting until he could be a financial partner in mm. our next move and our next purchase, which mm. I do value. Like I want it if that you know that's totally something we could work towards. So I appreciated kind of hearing that from him and mm-hmm. made me rethink like how how the next one will look. You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, financially, I could probably do it sooner um, mm. than that, but. Um, moving wise, you know, to put to you guys know, but I would need to put 20% down if I wasn't planning to live in it. And so it's going to take me um, definitely more to get there. So the game plan is just to continue buying primaries and moving forward that way. I, I mean, I'd like to own at least a few. I don't know that I'll do that forever. Um, mm. I think if not the next house, the house after that, I'd like to be like, I call it my big girl house, you know, where <laughs> I could like hang out for a while. Um, I'm still, home. you know, yeah, yeah my, my second property I bought last year was actually one minute away from my first home. Um, it's a very similar, like three, two square footage wise and stuff. So it's still kind of that like starter entry level. Um, but you know, realistically, like I could be happy there for a long time. Yeah. Um, this house did need everything where my first house didn't. Mm. Uh, so there, there's a little bit of like, you know, being a seasoned homeowner. Yeah, kinda. what made you feel like you could take that on this time? Knowing I had the financial ability. Yeah, just the savings and And being able flow. to value the bigger picture and being able to see like long term mm-hmm. what this property had to offer. Um, I think because of my eye as a real estate agent now, I was able to like walk this property and see all the potential that it had. Um, and I knew that I could get it for a decent price. And so, um, and I know that I'm keeping it for a long time, mm-hmm. you know, so I have dumped in a chunk of money in my first year of owning this home that if I had to turn around tomorrow and sell it, I wouldn't get back. Right. Um, but you know, I'm, it's all the things that are going to make this property more valuable and like sustain its worth. Yeah. Uh, like the roof has been done now. The furnace has been updated. We have AC. So, you know, it's all the good stuff. Um, it's the stuff that holds value and the stuff that, um, will make it a great rental at some point. Mm. So, and I'm sure you have your list of contractors from your transactions over the years, right? Yes. Um, I mean, yeah. How is that experience for you? Uh, Cause like we're often asked to give you know, referrals for contractors and yeah, turns I mean, out when you're actually managing contractors, it's a different story. Right? Yeah. It's hard to find people who are reliable and consistent. And, um, yeah, fortunately I do have a really awesome handyman and that okay. honestly does make a huge difference. It's very empowering to know right now that I do have a reliable contact that can come mm-hmm. help with, you know, a new toilet or waterproofing some siding. And it makes a big difference to know yep. that you have that, um, connection. Yeah, no, I, like I said, that that is definitely key. I've definitely gone through my fair share of uh, 
not great contractors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I will attest to that, and it definitely, you know, obviously adds to the cost. Um, you know, adds to the timeline, which adds to holding costs. So yeah. it can be very painful. I learned, you know, because this new property is the first where I've been hiring out work too. Um, my first house, we painted the inside ourselves, and it was awful. <laughs> I mean, the house looked like a tornado had hit it for like three weeks, and that just did not mesh with my anxiety very mm. well. And so, oh, it was, the job you didn't you did wasn't no, awful. the job looked it, great. It was just the uh, the process of doing the it. process. Like I had fully underestimated as we do that you know I was moving my entire house yeah, yeah not outside of the house but right. it was still all had to be touched and moved mm-hmm. and the help that I had you know not hired it was like friends that I was paying they could come help for two days and then they couldn't come back for like five or six right, days right. so I was the one stuck in the chaos the whole and time you were just between, rolling everything crying and the rolling. Corners. yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, no so so you know so what what's been different about this new property too is that like I've gotten to that point where I recognize you know that I can't that it's just not going to happen if we try to do it ourselves or, you know, it's just, it's just not possible or it's not going to work for the timelines for getting moved out and getting tenants into the new place. And so this was also a learning curve on this one for like hiring people, you know, getting estimates. It's kind of interesting because there are things that like my clients I've been helping do for seven years, but now I was doing it for myself. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, not as straightforward as you'd think. <laughs> like people, three people show up to give you a bid only to respond. Um, and then I, you know, one of the contractors, like I chose for my interior paint, I was really disappointed with the quality of the work that they did, you know, so I super felt like I'd overpaid for something. Yeah. So there are just things like that, that we're learning. It's like, do you want to fight them or do you want to just like take care of it and not, you know, Yeah. And you're kind of in that, you're kind of in that crunch mode where you're like, you just have, you know, you have so many moving things that you just sort of had to like get to the finish line and get it, you know, so... Yeah, so there's been interesting kind of going through all that too, like sort of managing, like we had tried to have interior paint and um, some other like interior projects done and it all had to sort of happen in certain ways. And Oh, because you're living there, right? We were trying to move in by trying a certain date. In. Yeah, okay. yeah. so it was yeah. like, you know, trying to get every, like what was it, baseboards had to get in put in before the painters could be, you know, and just kind of getting everything lined up, so. And they're all different contract, handyman, right? right. Contractors? Yeah, like yeah the handyman doesn't do painting. Right. Yeah. So it was like, this had to be, you know. There's an yeah. order of operations. I always go flo- uh, ceiling to floor, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's a pain. Yeah. <laughs> Just trying yeah. to coordinate everybody and their availability. and yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's been the, like the different, the, my first house was sort of set it and forget it. Um, this house has been more like, okay, like prioritize and kind of plan and, and tackle um, so it's kind of been interesting to like kind of prioritize and decide what to do when. Do you have a, obviously a favorite between the two? Obviously, you know, you're adding a lot of value and equity by fixing up a home and the mm-hmm. first one's ready to go. Obviously that's made a ton of equity mm-hmm. just by sitting, but do you have a, <laughs> like a favorite or a game plan moving forward there? Like which approach I would like better moving yeah. forward? Yeah. Um, I think both has been cool to experience. Honestly, what was cool about the first house is like I said, the finishes were really cheap. And so yeah. over time it was rewarding to like update the the boob lights <laughs> to like, you know, nice like LEDs and mm-hmm. um, canned lighting. And and it felt, as a new buyer, it didn't feel super intimidating because mm-hmm. it was like all pretty Stuff fresh. Stuff that you could take on. And it was like, yeah. you know, take off and replace, like easy patch patching, you know, repairing stuff. Um, so I, that was fun, like, and especially from that mentality of a new buyer with, you know, really, really new to homeownership, that was nice peace of mind. It kind of felt like moving into a fresh, clean apartment because it was just remodeled. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be comfortable 
I wouldn't have been comfortable doing what I'm doing now then, you know, taking on a house that needed like new toilets, new bathroom floors, you know, we, yeah, it's funny how adaptable we are um, to our living spaces. Yeah. Like the first day I woke up in my new house, I definitely cried. <laughs> I was like, just tripping over boxes, couldn't find any of my stuff, like couldn't find, you know, my stuff to get ready. And just, I really felt like I wanted to go home to my other house. <laughs> um, and then, you know, like you settle in, you get used to it, yeah. you put your stuff away, you start making it your own. Um, yeah, so it's been fun on this one to kind of be able to make it your own and kind of do things that we want to do over time. I wish I could do it all. That's kind of the hard part is like I want to do more. And technically I could afford to do more. It's just not smart to do more right now because I I don't want to be over invested in this property either. Yeah, no, totally. I totally understand that. Like, obviously, like we still have a little bit of that scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't really go away. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's a balance. Balance. And so if you were to recommend to <clears throat> a, a first-time investor um, that was like thinking about doing something similar of, of what you did, um, what would you what would you say to them like to get them, you know, moving forward if they're maybe they're having the block that you were having about I've got the savings, but I don't know if I want to spend it, that type of thing. Yeah, I mean I would say try to connect with somebody in your local market who can help you sort of get a grasp on that bigger picture, um, to kind of explain like the trajectory of home values in your area over time. Um, you know, I can speak to someone in our area about why a market crash isn't coming, why there's not gonna be houses that are hundred and sixty two thousand dollars again in South <laughs> Salem. Um, you know, so so it is sort of like a if they're they're the bottom is set on pricing, you know, and I think that's a misconception sometimes that we're going to see this upside down market come again at some point. And so that concerns me when I hear people stuck in that mindset, because this market that they're envisioning is likely to never come. So what are they waiting? You know, they're waiting for something that might never happen. Um, you know, obviously saving money is going to be my recommendation, because for me, that's where I find my peace of mind mm. in being a property owner and being a two time property owner is I know that, you know, I could be a responsible landlord to my tenants because if anything comes up, I can handle it and take care of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, as a seasoned real estate professional, like have a great understanding of the lifespan of like where the systems in my properties are at. So I kind of mentally know like what things might come up for me. Um, you know, so I kind of always have an idea of, of where those are at and, yeah, what, what, what we might need to take care of. Um, yeah, I think that just kind of saving money and, and knowing the property, um, mm. kind of knowing what to expect, you know, I think that's a big one. And what do you think about the the buying a new primary and converting your old primary into a rental? Is that... Mm-hmm. You think that's a repeatable strategy? You think it's... You think you, you would encourage other people to do that? I mean, absolutely. It's... Uh, you know, a lot of people that we talk to, right, like, they never say, I wish I would have waited longer to buy a house. A lot of people are like, dang, wish I would have bought a house 10 years ago. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and so right now is the 10 years ago, right? Yeah. Like, in 10 years, this mm-hmm. is the 10 years ago. Yep. So um, I think that's, an, like, a good point to think about. Uh, yes, prices have gone up, and the, you know, market in our area has changed a lot. But it's going to keep doing that. It's going to keep changing and likely prices are going to continue to keep going up. So I really think uh, getting in as soon as you can is important. Um, Again, talking with somebody, a professional can help you prioritize and make a plan for what that looks like. Uh, I know some people might feel discouraged or like it's not realistic for them, but you really don't know unless you've kind of sat down uh, and looked at what you can do with your finances. So I'd say like you at least owe it to yourself to have a conversation with somebody like Jordan who can help you like 
look at it, you know, and decide yeah. before you just close up the book and decide it's not for you or not possible. I mean, I saw today that the average Kelly Blue Book average car payment is eight hundred dollars. Oh my God! So that's more than I was paying for my first apartment in Salem. Right. <laughs> I mean, if your mortgage payments what twenty five hundred or something like that, I mean, uh -huh. it's you maybe don't buy that yeah. seventy thousand dollar car, right? Right. I mean, and again, <laughs> invest like, in your future. What yeah. like wealth building? Like looking mm -hmm. at that big picture. Um, what is it? Is it like? the average homeowner sees four to six percent equity gain year over year? I mean, the, the Case-Shiller index over the last 33 years is like 4.3% year mm -hmm. over year, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's not a bad return, you know, on your on your investment. That's just on the equity too, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That doesn't count rents. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I in this market with how high our mortgage payments are with the interest rates, I had to push patience with the people who want to do buy the primary and then rent it out the next year and move to the yes. next one because it's probably unlikely that the rents are going to surpass that mortgage payment right right away but still i mean if you have to put a little bit into your mortgage you know uh your tenant is paying probably most of your you know mortgage and adding to your principal and you know you're adding also a little bit to your piggy bank so yep. you're growing and mm -hmm. you're growing in equity your rents will grow up and there your principal even though if you're not cash flowing there's still a portion of that payment that's going to your principal right. you're not paying yourself so. exactly right. so i have to push that like i said long-term thinking in this type of market so. yeah and it's an appreciating asset unlike your escalade or just your f-150 your f-150 raptor yeah, yeah. <laughs> no and i think you're right i mean we're definitely in this market it's only responsible of us to remind consumers you know that it is about the long game um you know something that you buy today may not be rentable like cash flow for a couple years depending on where you land and so i try not to over promise anybody that that's going to be like their you know their picture six months from now um yeah. Yeah. No, totally understand. And I think mm -hmm. that that is a great lesson for, like I said, a lot of people looking mm -hmm. to buy their first home or their, their next investment, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> not to have your expectations like crazy high for yeah. cash flow immediately. Yeah. Unless yeah. you're in like, I don't know, Iowa. <laughs> right, right. But I just, I had a client um, come to my open house this weekend, so we were chatting, and he's kind of on the fence, so, you know, he can buy now, but is sort of, you know, figuring out where his job's going to land, figuring out what part of town he'd want to actually own in. And he is one of those people that has the savings to do it and has the income and the, you know, the job. Um, so I found myself speaking to him and kind of going through the same speech I'd been giving myself, you know, that... Like you've worked so hard to get to this point and to save this money and, and at some point you've got to take that next step to really like put that leap of faith you know into home ownership because um, otherwise it's just sitting in your savings and it's not serving you you know yep oh, totally I understand well ashley um if people are trying to find you or trying to get a hold of you what would be the best way they could do that social media phone number email et yeah um I am on social media, on Instagram. I do like to connect with people that way, but also please phone, email is great as well. Um, on in social media, I am at Ashley underscore PNW underscore Realtor. And then uh, my phone number is 503-559-5776. Call text. Um, yeah, you can find me online. I'm great. in Salem. I work the surrounding areas. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Learned a awesome. lot. Yeah. Thanks, friends. Yeah, thank have you. a great day. Cool. Thanks for tuning in to the Realized Gains podcast. If you have any questions for our co-hosts or guests, don't hesitate to reach out. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or at jordanleemortgage.com.